This is the Savvy Parent Podcast, where lawyer and financial planning expert Shannon McNulty and her guests share tips on how to make smart legal and financial decisions for your family. On this episode of the Savvy Parent Podcast, we're joined by Sarah Martin, Associate Attorney for Caligari, Choosy, Newman, and Fitch. Sarah is an employment attorney in Washington, D.C., and joins us to talk about understanding your legal rights during the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition to discussing general safety and legal considerations, we talk a lot about the challenges that working parents are facing during the pandemic and what protections there may be. As we're entering the school year at the time of recording, parents are being asked to juggle so much, and Sarah shares her expertise around what parents will want to understand about the law and their rights. We are so excited to be back for another episode. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And Shannon, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Sarah. So today is a great conversation around understanding your rights in the workplace as a parent during COVID-19. So Sarah, before we get into it, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your specialty? Uh, Yes, I am a employment attorney. I practice in Washington, D.C. Currently, most of uh, my clients are federal employees, though I do represent employees that are in the private sector or work for state governments as well. I've been a workers' rights attorney for uh, about eight years now, uh, and it is my passion. And I am so glad that I can help people with this important part of their lives every day. Um, I'm currently with the firm of Caligari Choosing Newman and Fitch. uh, And we have, uh, as I said, we primarily represent federal employees. And that's all we do is represent employees. Great. Well, we're glad to have you on the show because you obviously have an important role all the time, but especially now as we are in this COVID-19 pandemic, it's especially important that we have you on. So Shannon, why did we want to have Sarah on the show today? You know, I'm really was just so looking forward to this and I was really excited about it. And I think when we were talking about sort of the order of the episodes and I was really saying, we really want to do this. And right now, as soon as we can, because this is such a important topic for parents that, you know, it's been such a hard year and it doesn't look like anything, you know, that this is going to get better anytime in the very near future. And parents just are, I feel like so many people are just at their wits end in terms of like juggling family and work and protecting their health. And that it's just really important for our listeners to get information and some tips on what their rights are and how they can kind of best protect themselves and protect their families during this time. Absolutely. And we're recording this and it's coming out just as schools really are getting back in. So, you know, we've dealt with summer and now we're going back into school. So this really is a great time for parents to really, like you said, be clear on their rights when it comes to safety and and being able to take care of their families. So Sarah, we want to make sure that parents are clear on their legal rights. Can you tell us some of the legal issues related to the workplace um, that are arising during this specific pandemic? We've heard a lot recently from people with uh, pre-existing mental health, con- or not, not just mental health, but pre-existing conditions generally that um, they need telework because they can't go into the office even when the office is open uh, due to their high risk nature. They might have uh, COPD or diabetes. So we've been working with a lot of uh, people that need reasonable accommodations in the workplace. We also have people that are, mand- that are working from home 
right now for it's mandatory and uh, they've gotten accommodations like an ergonomic keyboard or a larger monitor because of some other disability and they are now facing trying to do their work from home without those accommodations and so we've been assisting people in what their rights are and what to get as we have seen unfortunately around the country there has also been an increased uh there's been increased in harassment towards a segment of the population um, because of how this virus and this pandemic is associated with China. So is sadly, so many people of Asian origin or Chinese origin have been experiencing higher levels of harassment, and that is illegal in the workplace. And finally, there's uh, people that are blowing the whistle at their workplace because they're going to work and they don't have PPE available. They don't have the proper protections available and they are complaining about it and suffering retaliation. So there's, uh, it, there are so many different aspects. It touches on so many different areas of the law that we've been seeing just because of this pandemic. Absolutely. And what about parents in particular? Are, are there certain legal protections now for parents? For example, my kids left school on March 13th, 2020, and they start school two days as, after we're recording this on August 13th, 2020 from home. So what about parents' rights as it comes to caring for their children? So in March, which feels more like five years ago, yes. not five months ago, <laughs> Uh, Congress came out and they passed um, the Families First Coronavirus Protection Act. And part of that, that law included 12 weeks of leave that was protected if your child uh, was not able to go to school or your child's daycare closed. And you could get pay up to two-thirds of what you would normally take home for those 12 weeks. Some parents may have exhausted that option by now because as they've gone out, as you said, you've been out since March. But if you haven't, that benefit, those 12 weeks, does extend until the end of the calendar year. Unfortunately, there's not at this point that many protections uh, for parents that are trying to organize what their child's schooling is going to be in addition to working from home or having to go into the office. Is, uh, Sarah, is the 12 weeks, uh, so that's for this entire year, I assume? For, until the end of this calendar year. The that's, of this Congress calendar. has said December 31st, 2020. Um, there are limitations to it, of course. Uh, there, uh, it is less than 500 employees, uh, which is, uh, that excludes many large employers that already provide some paid leave ex examples. It so doesn't only applicable for employers with less than 500 employees. Yes. Yes. And it, it uh, touches on, uh, it doesn't cover uh, healthcare workers. The definition of what is a healthcare worker is actually currently under dispute. There's, uh, there were some regulations that were, that, were per, uh, uh, that were put out by the Department of Labor, but there was a case recently, just, just last week, from 
the district of, I believe, the Southern District of New York that um, pulled back on those and said, your definition of who is a healthcare worker is too expansive Department of Labor. So that is still an area of who is covered by it is still, still under litigation. And I don't expect that to be resolved anytime soon. So basically, so if you're a healthcare worker, and that definitely covers like nurses, doctors, I assume anybody who works in a hospital. So it covered that. That's the, that, that was what the case was about last week is doctors, nurse practitioners, dentists. Uh, those were obviously healthcare workers. Does it apply fully to nurses? Does it apply to front desk receptionists? They had the Department of Labor was going to have a very broad definition of it, but New York has uh, a court. One court in New York has said that you need to be a bit more explicit about who is covered and cannot take this leave because they are a healthcare worker. Okay. So that's good. So it's better the sort of the narrower the definition is really the better yes. it is for workers. Yes. And so, and if you work at a large company, then you're, this doesn't apply to you, then you're kind of out of luck with this. And how about like normally employees are covered by FMLA or Family Medical mm-hmm. Leave Act, and that provides 12 weeks without pay, as I understand. Yes. And is this in addition to that? So can they combine take 24 weeks or is that in, instead of the FMLA uh, leave? I do not believe so, but I don't want to say that on the record without double checking and getting back to you about it. Yeah. Okay. Let's check on that. And then we could put that in the show notes, right, Sarah? Absolutely. And what I think we're really hearing is just how complicated this is. This is such an unprecedented time that, you know, states, the the federal government, they're trying to make new regulations and protect people, but it's unclear or it doesn't protect all the people in the way that it should. And what we're seeing here now with parents at work is there's not necessarily a lot that does protect them, especially depending on the company size. And so it may just be up to them to work with their company to figure it out. Or if they're still working from home, they're just trying to manage and juggle parenting and working. And now as we get back into school, educating their kids. So this is just, it's, it's a very hard time. And the, the FMLA, the standard FMLA that was on the books before the coronavirus hit applies to employers that are 50, have 50 or more full-time employees. So it, that does, if you do work for a company with 1,000, 10,000 employees, FMLA, not this emergency sick leave that comes under the Families First Protection Act, does apply to you. And if you have an immediate family member like a child with a severe uh, medical condition, you are eligible for up to 12 weeks of job protected leave. It's good to know. Now, you mentioned this at the start about worker safety. So for our parents who are going back to the workplace, what do they need to know about or what should they be aware of from a safety standpoint, but also maybe a legal standpoint? You touched on this a little bit, but can we dig in a little more? I think many of us are familiar with OSHA, which either refers to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration or the Occupational Safety and uh, Health Act. What uh, the OSHA does is says that every employer shall furnish 
to each of his employees employment and a place of employment which are free from recognized hazards that are causing or are likely to cause death or serious harm to its employees. So if this extends to employers needing to provide certain levels of protection or PPE, depending on how much you interact with others, uh, what kind of chemicals or environment you're in. Unfortunately, the problem with OSHA is that it doesn't have teeth. <laughs> you, as an individual employee, cannot see a violation in the workplace and say, I am going to bring a lawsuit about this. You have to go and make a report to the Department of Labor. And the Department of Labor then has to investigate and determine if there is merit. And that rarely happens. There are a lot more states have specific uh, occupational safety laws especially if you live in a more progressive state, uh, you might have more ability to bring an action or to push back on an unauthorized safety practice in, in your workplace, depending on your state. Got it. And what about for, um, you know, new parents going through a pregnancy while this pandemic is happening? Are there any legal protections that um, these individuals should be aware of? So they, your employer cannot treat you differently because you are pregnant. Like they, they cannot say everyone that is pregnant or everyone that is over 65 or everyone that has a pre-existing condition that makes them more um, susceptible to high-risk cases of COVID, you have to stay home and you can't. They, that is completely impermissible. Pregnancy in and of itself is not considered a disability. If you have a reason that, uh, if you have symptoms uh, that cause pregnancy complications, such as high blood pressure or gestational diabetes, that could uh, affect your health even more so than a normal pregnancy would, then you are eligible to ask for additional accommodations from your employer. And they could either provide you uh, a change in your job duties so that you interact less with, with the public, uh, have you work from home, flex your schedule. There's a variety of whatever of options for whatever works for your job to uh, make it better on you while you can still complete your duties. Okay, that's good to know. Now, it's funny, I had a question on here, but I think we already answered it. But I just want to make sure that we're understanding this correctly as kids are now going back to school and parents are in many places are trying to figure out how do I help care for them? So other than what Congress um, first put in place, that 12 weeks of protection with reduced pay, there's no other legal protection for parents, correct? Whose kids are going back to school, but from home and parents are responsible for helping them being there for them. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. Yes. I thought we'd answer that, but I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I'm trying, I, I would like to add a little bit more to it. I'm looking at my notes that I took because it, it's, if you, if you're, if you have a, a family member that has a serious medical condition and that you need to care for that family member, you if you're an FMLA eligible employee, then you can take 12 weeks 
doesn't have to be paid. You can use your paid time off concurrently with it if you have 12 weeks of pay. But that's one way to stay home if you can point to your kid, your child having the serious medical health condition. If your child is otherwise healthy and you just don't feel comfortable going back to the office or sending your child back to school and schools are open, unfortunately, that's a huge loophole and there's not much you can do about it there. The 12 paid weeks, does that cover that situation or is that just to kind of go back to that? Uh, yes. Just a little bit. Well, 12, <laughs> so 12 weeks pay covers the situation that if there is no schooling. Okay. If there is schooling, you just don't feel comfortable with it. That doesn't that that doesn't implicate this new law. Okay, and if it goes then beyond the twelve weeks, then that's you know there, there's nothing yes. really there there either. And then if you're going to go under the FMLA, then it has to be somebody it has to be uh, somebody who's ill. Mm-hmm. I, another good point that I think that was worth covering for your listeners is that. Uh, we talked a bit about reasonable accommodations. The Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, says that if you have a disability, you can your employer must accommodate that disability unless it presents an undue hardship. And that's that's a really fact-based question, whether it's too expensive, it takes too many duties away from you, but they, they must provide an accommodation. The they, your employer does not have to accommodate you because you are related to someone with a disability. So if you are otherwise healthy, but you have a child with asthma, your employer does not have to provide you an accommodation so that you can care for your child with asthma. But if you had asthma, then that might be something that yes. they could, you could say, I should be able to work from home during this time because yes. that would be a reasonable accommodation. Yes, you and you can propose an accommodation like that as well, and they can consider it. Uh, your preference of an accommodation does not have to be agreed to, but it has to be an effective accommodation. So it might be, let's flex your hours so that you are coming in when you're commuting in when you're not around as many other people. Or um, let's change your workstation so that you are more removed from other people. If if you have the kind of job that means that you have to go into the office. And I can imagine that, I mean, so for other, so for disabilities during a different time, maybe if you have asthma or if you have whatever kind of condition, there is some law, there's some case law, like they've, we've been through this and there are specific things that employers maybe have to do. Whereas now we're like, you know, we're, we're kind of operating on a, in a blank slate and not knowing like what actually is required for a reasonable accommodation, no? Um, yes and no. Uh, the EEOC has been really on top of this and trying to provide updated guidance through every stage of the process. So uh, listeners can go to eeoc.gov and learn more about what the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission um, is saying about COVID and how that interacts with the laws that the EEOC is responsible for uh, litigating and giving guidance on. Um, Those laws include the Americans with Disabilities Act. They also include Title VII of the Civil Rights Act and the GINA, the Genetic Information non-discriminatory 
Non-Discrimination Act. Um, Title VII is the law that prohibits pregnancy discrimination and sex discrimination generally. And there is, the, the EEOC has said that they don't know, there's not enough to known yet about COVID-19 and whether or not COVID-19 itself creates a disability. That's something that's going to have to come over time as we learn more about the disease and uh, how uh, the and how how people recuperate from the disease, recover from the disease. However, if you have another disability on the books, COPD, asthma, diabetes, uh, hypertension, uh, these things have been thought about for a long time, and there should be plenty of case law and decisions to help guide your employer and figuring out what a reasonable accommodation is. That's great. It's great that there, the EEOC seems to be um, sort of ahead of this and uh, is providing people with the public with some good information and some guidelines. And so one thing I think we also want to point out is, you know, we're talking a lot about um, parents who work at more of a, a full-time position, but for parents who maybe are freelance or self-employed, it seems that when um, we're affected by our kids not being able to go back to school, there's unemployment that they can tap into. So that's also something, you know, from a legal standpoint, what is your company doing? But also remembering that as parents, there are other resources to help support you as your kids are going back to school and you're trying to, to juggle it all. So that's another option I think we want to make sure our parents are, are aware of as well. Each state has different uh, laws and regulations governing unemployment. Some states have even started pushing out rules and regulations that, uh, that respond directly to COVID and the current pandemic crisis. Uh, not every state has unemployment insurance for independent contractors. Not every state has unemployment insurance. If you are able to, it, it, for you to just stay home, and it, it, to care for a child, you need to be eligible and looking for work. And it, you have to involuntarily be separated from your employer. So if, you, if your employer runs out of hours to give you and doesn't have enough work to give you because of the pandemic, you often are eligible for unemployment compensation. However, not necessarily because you don't feel safe going back to work. Congress is obviously still debating and trying to figure out what kind of protections they're going to give. They could step in, they could provide more protections, they could provide increased pay and unemployment, but uh, that's still all up in the air right now. Yeah, hopefully by the time this publishes, there may be some answers on some of those pieces. And I think as this all continues to unfold, we will continue to see hopefully the government making some decisions. We might see more legal cases related to all this, some more clarity around some of what's confusing. So this is a good good start of information. Now, before we finish up today, I know your firm had a case on COVID-19 hazard pay. So without sharing too much detail, what can you tell us and what do people need to know related to that? Well, our firm, KCNFDC, is working with um, AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees, and we filed a class action on behalf of all federal employees who um, are being exposed in the workplace to COVID. Um, and 
we're worried about all employees that are going to work and uh, risking their health and safety to keep all of us <laughs> healthy and safe. And um, we're trying to make sure that they are appropriately compensated for putting themselves in that kind of danger. Uh, there are a lot of exceptions and intricacies to these rules, and that's what the litigation is looking at. If any of your listeners are federal employees and they're interested in learning more about the case, um, they can go to our website, kcnfdc.com, and uh, there's a button to click on to learn about the litigation. Well, we are so glad that you are taking care of the people who take care of us. So thank you for that. And thank you for being on today, Shannon. Before we finish up, any final thoughts on our topic? Um, I just want to say that uh, the her, Sarah's law firm's website has great information, whether you're a federal employee or not, just a, about this particular issue in terms of no disability, in terms of family leave, things like that. And I think that that's a great resource if you have questions, a great place to start. And also, you know, if you do feel like you're unsafe in the workplace, then, um, or if you're not being treated fairly, then, you know, to reach out to a lawyer just to make sure that you know what your rights are. Especially since so many states have very specific laws uh, that we didn't even cover today, that you might have additional protections uh, than what I've been talking about. And so you should definitely talk to a lawyer. Yeah, that's a great point is that every state is a little bit different. So even if uh, there's not something at the federal level, there might be something at your state level that that can provide some, some help or protection for you. Yeah, well, so much great information, Shannon, as always. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, it was such a great episode. So happy to be here. And Sarah, thank you again for your time and everything that you shared with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you again to Sarah Martin from Kalajarvi, Choosy, Newman, and Fitch. For more information about your legal rights as parents and information on getting your estate plan in order or to join our free community, visit us at thesavvyparent.us.